It's a joy for Kathy and I to be here, really. It's, it's, it's uh, Pastor Dan and Sean are very good, dear friends of ours, and it's good to be back with you. I serve as the Secretary Treasurer uh, for the district, and as I mentioned, I was here with you, been here a couple times with you, and it's always a joy to come back. And uh, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm sure you're watching. We're praying for you. We've been praying for you, and we're believing for the resurrection power in your life. Amen? Amen. I'm sure you all are anxious to for having him come back. I, I love to give him a hard time. He's... he's uh, uh, none, none of you do that, I'm sure, but uh, he's a joy. <laughs> but he's a joy, and I love uh, Kathy, and I love them very, 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 very much. And and it's just good to be with you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you that we can come here today to celebrate the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ. Wow, Father, we thank you so much. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you. Father, I pray that, that uh, you will give us ears to hear what you would say to us today. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm excited to be here. I haven't had the opportunity to preach on Resurrection Sunday since uh, I, uh, I pastored in, in uh, just south of Pittsburgh uh, for, for 18 years. Well, actually, I was there for about 40 years, but I was a lead pastor for 18 years. First time in four years that I've been able to come. And when Pastor Dan asked me, I got so excited. So I'm a little excited. I love Resurrection Sunday. I, I really do. I love this day when we can come and celebrate. I remember years ago, I heard this message called, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It was by somebody, by, it was uh, uh, by S.M. Lockridge. And basically, he said this, Judas has betrayed his friend. Peter heard the rooster crow. Mary is crying. The disciples are confused. Jesus is buried. A rock is rolled into place. A soldier stands guard. It appears death is won. Satan is celebrating. Hope seems lost. But Sunday is coming. Aren't you glad Sunday is here? Aren't you glad that Sunday was... Amen. Let's rejoice together. This is not a day to sit back and relax. This is a day to celebrate. This day's been set aside for us to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Where would we be without it? Where would we be without it? On a Friday, but much pain for sure. But the pain and suffering disappeared when Sunday came. When Sunday came, when a resurrected Christ came. You know, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 9... There's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Friday had to happen for Sunday to take place. Jesus had to die on the cross to provide the, the blood that was shed for each one of us. In our lives, sometimes we go through deep pains. But let me tell you, deep pains can lead to victory in our lives. Some don't like to talk about the cross. I was glad to hear us singing a little bit about the cross this morning. Some don't like to talk about the cross. Byron Paulus says this, too often we avoid the cross, but any life that is not cross-centered, cross-evaluated, and cross-saturated is a wasted life. You see, we don't, we don't sing much about it. It's gruesome, but sometimes life is rough. We have sorrow in our lives. The last two and a half years haven't been fun. You know what I'm talking about. It's been a challenge for many of us. But the Bible tells me, sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I can imagine on that, I got up early this morning too. 
And when I woke up, 5.30 must have been the time, Pastor Dave. That must have been the time. Because I woke up about that same time, and I rolled up my blind, and I looked outside. And my mind went back 2,000 years to that Resurrection Sunday of the sorrow and the fear that everyone felt Friday night going into Saturday when Jesus was in the tomb. And the pain that was there, but the sun was coming up. The sun was coming up. There was such pain. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in that dark place where the pain seems to be overwhelming? That you thought you had hope. You thought you had so much. But then all at once it came crashing down. Can you imagine how the followers of Jesus must have felt when they walked with him and talked with him for three and a half years and they put their full trust, their hope, their faith in him and now he's gone. The pain they must have felt. Have you ever been in so much pain, perhaps from sickness, a situation, a relationship, or maybe a bad decision? You've been in a dark place. But thank God we had a promise that God can take us through those dark places. God could take us through the valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what's he say? You're with me. You know, that, that scripture says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, Psalm 23. When I, you know, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. To me, that's three angels. Goodness and mercy. Shirley's actually my, my mother-in-law. And so, uh, <laughs> surely, surely. But we have that promise in the Scriptures. Let's look here. The resurrection brings us hope. Amen? The resurrection brings us hope, and it brings us forgiveness. It brings us restoration. It brings us so much. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. On the very first day of the week, very early in the morning, women took some spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wandering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In the fright, the woman bowed down their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinners, be crucified in the third day and be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Three words changed the world. He has risen. You know, there's a lot of other religious leaders that have died. But none of them are still alive today. They're still in the grave. We only have one God that emptied the grave and that is still alive today. And he's not floating out there somewhere. He's available for each one of us, that he lives inside of me. He lives inside of you. That's exciting. The, those three words just amaze me. It's one thing different about Jesus than everybody else, he's alive. And I love the next one. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? The ladies went to the tomb fully expecting to find a dead body. Am I right? Because what they do? They carried spices with them. They went, they went to the tomb to complete the work that they started on Jesus. 
is exactly what they did. And so they're looking for a dead body. And these angels appear and says, why do you look for the living among the dead? So many of us are like that. We look for the answer in all the wrong places. Money, counselors, relationships, doctors. I'm not saying their things are bad, but let me tell you, Jesus is still the answer for the world today. And I remember the old Andre Crouch song. I'm taking you all back sometimes. So anybody remember Andre Crouch and the disciples? Okay, there's about some of you that are my age. Okay, good. Andre, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. He's still the way today. <clears throat> We've been through so much garbage the last two and a half years. But Jesus hasn't changed. And let me tell you, COVID did not take God by surprise. He didn't. Actually, I think he may have allowed it to happen to wake up the church. Because we've been too complacent over the last years. Why is culture in the position it's in? Because we as the church haven't taken our place of authority before God. You know, it used to be the church-shaped culture, but today, culture shapes the church. Who would have thought we would be told to close our doors? I'm not saying it was right or wrong, but you know what? Closing the doors of the church may not have been a bad idea because it forced us to go outside these walls, and that's where we are to go. Outside the world. It's time for the church to stand up to be the church. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. And it says there in a the passage, they, then they reminded him, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee. Jesus told them in Matthew 16, 21, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of the sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Jesus said that, and in fact, when Jesus said that, it was Peter, he said, hey, no, ain't no way, that's not going to happen. And we'll talk about Peter a little bit more in a few minutes. But Jesus tried to tell him at least three or four times that he would die and he would rise again. And that's why in this passage of Scripture, it said that, and they remembered his words. Then they remembered his words. They remembered the words that he gave them. The resurrection of Jesus brings us hope for tomorrow through the resurrection of Jesus. Through the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we have forgiveness of sins. Where would we be without the forgiveness of sins? The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Each one of us in this room, there's no one who hasn't sinned. What was required, and we sang about it this morning, what was required, a sacrifice had to be made. And the sacrifice that had to be made was a lamb that was spotless without sin. You see, Jesus became sin on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that we forgive, could be forgiven, that we could be made right in our faith with God, that we could walk in a right relationship. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Only one thing can make us right, and that's Jesus. How many of you are tired of being wrong? It's time we start being right. And it starts with our relationship with Jesus. It starts right there. That's where it starts. And, and you know, 
And, and, and I love, one of the best pictures of that that I've ever seen, that I've ever read about is Peter. I love Peter. Peter's so relatable to me because he always said things that got himself in trouble. Am I the only one that that happens to around here? You know, I, 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 I get myself in trouble all the time. I, I, I know it's hard to believe, but I do. I get myself in trouble all the time. And, and Peter was just like that. He, and, and I read a devotional recently that, it, that talked about Peter. But, and there's a passage in Luke 22.32. And, and it says this, Luke 22.32. It says, but uh, Jesus is talking. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Hmm. Jesus is talking to Peter there, Simon Peter. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had confidence in Peter because he knew he was going to be praying for him. Amazing thing. But let's take a look at Peter. The Peter, Peter, the disciple who <laughs> seemed to fail at every turn. And, and I love it. Greatest moment of Peter. One of the greatest moments of Peter's is, is, is when he went and he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This was the high point of Peter's ministry. I mean, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And, and, and Jesus said, and, and Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my spirit did. And Peter's like, yes, I'm the man. I'm the man. Did you hear, the, he said to the other disciples, this is, this is the Jeff Marshall translation, so bear with me. He said to the other disciples, did you hear what he just said about me? You know, he, he was the man. But shortly after that, he gets rebuked. Peter's great rebuke. Jesus turns and says, get thee behind me, Satan, when pride starts entering the scene. And then Peter's greatest failure, we know what happened there three times. He says, I don't know this man. I don't know him. I don't know him. And then the rooster crows, and Jesus looks directly at Peter. Can you imagine how Peter must have felt? Because Jesus said that before the rooster crows three times, he'll deny me tonight. And, and then it actually happened. And, and Peter, who, you know, would, you know, I, I'm, he's taking, I'll fight for you, man. I'm your man. And then what happens? He uh, denies he even knew him. I don't know the man. And then the rooster crows. And as soon as the rooster crows, Jesus fixes his gaze on Peter. Can you imagine how Peter felt at that moment? Can you imagine the guilt, the pain that ran through his body at that moment? It was a lonely place. I can't imagine. You see, Peter told you, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And, and it's like many of us. We profess our faith in Jesus and then we fall. Then we ask for forgiveness and we, repent, we, we confess our faith in Jesus, then we fall. The things happen to us. They come to us, and, and, and you know, from time to time, we have our failures. The road to the cross is one of intense suffering for Jesus, but I don't believe it was easy for Peter either of what he went through. Each step unmasked Peter's sinfulness. With one breath, he declares him the Messiah. The next, he denies. He'll go to the cross. With one breath, he declares his unwavering loyalty. I'll even die for you. And then the very next, he said, I don't even know the man. Back and forth, back and forth. And this was one of the first followers of Jesus who went back and forth and back and forth. Failure, 
success, failure, mountaintop, valley, mountaintop, valley, excitement, the depths of depression. In Luke chapter 22, 31 through 34, it says this, the more expand this passage of Scripture, Simon, Simon, which is Peter, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. When you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison for you and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times that you know me. Jesus says that Satan asked to sift him like wheat. Now, wheat sifting requires the crushing of heads and the tossing of wheat. And what blows away, the chaff blows away and only the grain falls in the basket. In other, in other words, what happens is it's a crushing that takes place. And the chaff blows away. It's useless. But the wheat falls in the basket. Jesus said, that's what's going to happen to you, Peter. What's going to happen to you? You're going to go through some tough times. You're going to go through some tough times. But he said, I will pray for you. Jesus said that I will pray for you. Do you know that Jesus right now is praying for you? The Bible tells us he sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for you. Some of us, you may be going through some sifting this morning, some tough times. Maybe it's because of a decision, maybe it's because of a sickness, maybe because it's a financial situation. But the thing is, you may be going through some sifting this morning, some very tough times. Well, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you will stand when you come through this. So many of us want to be taken out of situations. But it's interesting, I quoted earlier Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. And that passage of Scripture, I, I don't always like that passage of Scripture because I don't want to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to walk. I want to be taken out of the valley of the shadow of death. I want to ride above the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to be sifted because it's painful, because it's hard. But you know, Jesus had to suffer and die on the cross so that we could go through that sifting and come out on top. He had to do it. Jesus doesn't pray that the sifting will pass, but that Peter won't be fatally wounded. In other words, lose his faith. The sifting will come out, <clears throat> but Peter will find forgiveness and restoration. And more than that, he's going to be commissioned to go out and do others. The passage says that, that he will, it says there, strengthen your brothers. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus had the confidence in Peter that he would turn back to him. Peter messed up. You know the difference between Peter and Judas? Judas didn't ask for forgiveness. Peter did. Judas could have been forgiven if he would have asked for it. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter said, I don't even know the man. He lied, not once, not twice, but three times. And, and you look at the situation there, it's amazing. And, and, but, but Jesus said, the sifting will come, but out of it, Peter, you'll find forgiveness and repentance and be commissioned to strengthen others. Sometimes you'll go through difficult times in your life, and God has a purpose for letting you go through that. And he's, he says, I'm going to be with you, the sifting's going to take place, but I'm going to be with you. 
You see, I went through some bad times too. And God's always been with me. And I love that he's always with us. Amen? That he's always with us. The road to forgiveness should be the most victorious hour because Jesus promises that in the suffering will not be fatal. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to live in the pain of guilt in your life. There may be some sins in your life that you feel like there's no way he could forgive me. There's nothing that I can do. There's nowhere to go. But Jesus says that I'm with you. And, and, and the thing is, there's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. There's forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, I'm going to that cross for you because I love you. Forgiveness was provided by the cross, but it was completed in the tomb. You hear me? Let's say this together. Can you say this with me? The cross leads to repentance, but the empty tomb guarantees us victory. Amen? The empty tomb guarantees you victory. Let me say that again. The empty tomb guarantees you victory. Okay, you're getting it. The empty tomb guarantees you victory. Amen? Come on, I want this side. I can't hear you. Come on. The empty tomb guarantees you victory. Amen? All right, you're catching it. When you go home today, I want you to get in your car and say, the empty tomb guarantees me victory. When you get up in the morning and you have to go to work, when you get in your car, I want you to say, the empty tomb guarantees me victory. When you have that difficult situation with that difficult employee that you work with, remember, the empty tomb gives you victory. And remember this, Jesus died for them too. He died for them too. Even though it was his worst hour, Jesus said, I'm praying for you, Simon. Man, even in our worst situation, Jesus prays for me. That's amazing. You see, when we've repented, when he said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Again, I thank God for repentance. Where would we be without repentance? At some point in time, Peter went to Jesus and asked for forgiveness. We don't know when it was. The Bible doesn't give us clear direction on when it was. Was it when he ran to the tomb and saw the tomb was empty? Was it in John 21 after Jesus rose and Jesus said to him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Wait a minute, Peter denied him three times, and three times Jesus asked, do you love me? Is that when his forgiveness took place? The Bible doesn't clearly state it, but we know that following the resurrection, Peter was changed. He was a different person completely after the resurrection. And then he went into the upper room, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he became the leader of the church, just like Jesus said he would. How did he become the leader of the church? Number one, by knowing that Jesus was praying for him. Number two, by repenting. And number three, by doing something about it. You know, we can ask Jesus to forgive us, but then we have to live like we're forgiven. There was a song way back when, I think it was the, some of you may remember the Gaither vocal band. Oh man, I'm going back. 
No, no, no. It wasn't them. It was the Imperials. Remember the Imperials? I'm forgiven. Now I have a reason for living. Now Jesus forgives you, man. Don't, it doesn't matter. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus changed lives for centuries. It changed the thief on the cross. The one who was on the cross and said to the other thief, why are you messing with him, man? Leave him alone. He's done nothing wrong, but look at us. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus forgave him. And what about the little children that gathered around his feet? So it doesn't matter how, how bad you are, how young you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter. When he changes you, and this is what I love, and when Jesus changes you, he also empowers you. He empowers you to live the life that he's called you to live. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, very familiar passage of Scripture. We quote it all the time. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I love that passage of Scripture because there's one word with two letters in it that typify us. Go. It doesn't say come. It says go. Go and make disciples. When we leave this place, we're entering a mission field. Whether it's our neighborhood, whether it's our work, whether it's our school, wherever it is, it's a mission field. We're all pastors. Thank God for Pastor Dan and others that God called to full-time vocational ministry to help us. But we're all called to be pastors. We're all called to be disciples, to go and make disciples. This wasn't specified just for pastors. And he said he gave us a task, a command. And with that command came a promise, and I'm so good this promise came. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. She said, you need to go, but know this, you're not going alone, because I'm going to go with you. Isn't it nice to have somebody with you? Like, I love it when my wife Kathy travels with me. It completes me. It makes me feel good. It encourages me, strengthens me. And, and, and Jesus saying, hey, I'll tell you what, there's nowhere you can go without me. You know, there's sometimes I, I have to go places and Kathy can't go. But Jesus said, but don't worry, I'm going to be with you, no matter where you are. I remember when I was a little boy, and uh, when I was young, I was raised in the Methodist church. I was raised in Turtle Creek. Anybody know where Turtle Creek is? Okay. If you, say, if you come to me and says, I know where Turtle Creek is, I know you do. Because Turtle Creek is spelled T-U-R-T-L-E-C-R-I-C-K, Crick. People's, other people spell it wrong, C-R-E-E-K, but it's not. It's C-R-I-C-K. I know I was born there. But the thing is, I used to think that I could hide from God underneath my blankets. I really did. But some of us still think that, that we can hide from God, that there's things that God doesn't see us do. The Bible tells us nothing hidden that won't be revealed. 
And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You see, Jesus was alive with his followers. When Jesus was alive for his followers on, on earth, he could only be in one place at one time. But after the resurrection happened, he said, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And in fact, he said, in fact, there's nowhere you're going to go. It's pretty cool when Jesus appeared. Over 40 days, Jesus appeared a number of times. And why did he appear? To convince them that he was alive. You see, they had to be convinced that he was alive. Jesus told them, but they, weren't, they didn't always believe him, so he had to be convinced. There's one time he, he uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, it tells us that he appeared to 500 people at one time. Boom. And when the scriptures were written, much of the New Testament was written, uh, and some of those people were still alive. And so there was proof that he was alive. Because the people say, I was there. I was there. When, 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 you know, I, I was there. I saw it. I saw him alive. They were alive. And what happened is, during these appearances, he said that now, I, I, you know, and, and, and he would show up in the upper room. He would show up at Bible studies. He would show up in the ocean. He would show up when they were fishing. The, the, the disciples kind of got the idea is, he could show up at any time. He's with me always. Folks, he could show up at any time in our lives because he's with us always. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He ascended into heaven with a promise that they would receive power to accomplish the things that he asked them to do. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Jesus said that in Acts 8, and then in Acts chapter 2, it happened. Acts chapter 1, he said this, but in Acts chapter 2, it actually happened. The follower of Jesus obeyed, went to Jerusalem, and waited for the Holy Spirit to come. And once again, Jesus fulfilled his promise. They were all filled with the power of his presence. And Jesus was now truly with them. And they carried that, and they changed the world. They changed the world. Let me tell you something here this Resurrection Sunday. If you believe in Jesus, you carry his presence. You carry the presence of Jesus everywhere you go. In school, in work, at home, you carry his presence. And in Romans 8, there's a powerful passage of Scripture. It basically says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Think about that for a minute. The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and will someday raise you from the dead if you believe in him. That's a result of the resurrection. One of the results of the resurrection is forgiveness being completed. Another result of the resurrection is his power being available to you and to me. How different would we live if we truly realized that his power lives in us? The same power to forgive is waiting for us. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me in the same works I have done, even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. He says, you'll do greater works because Jesus is sitting beside the Father praying for you. And you know what he's praying Make them strong. Don't let them fall. 
when they're sifted, when they go through tough times, make them strong. And if they do fall, like Peter did, I'm going to forgive them. But make them strong. Don't let the condemnation be too much. You see, Jesus rose. He went to be with the Father to empower you to change your life. When we realize that, man, what happens in our life? We'll live differently. Can you understand what I'm saying? Do you want to live differently or are you satisfied with the way you're living today? Some of you say, well, I'm satisfied with the way I'm living today. You know what? God has more for you. God has more. Those that are watching, God has more for you. God has so much more. Why are we being so complacent? On Resurrection Sunday, it's the day we accent that Jesus is alive. I think Pastor Nate said it, that um, every day is Resurrection Sunday for us. But this is the day that Kathy and I were talking on the way. We say, what do people do who don't go to church on this day and celebrate Easter? Because it's really, it, it doesn't make sense. Why are you celebrating? What are you celebrating? It just doesn't make sense. But we truly have something to celebrate. That Jesus is alive. Amen? Say it with me. Jesus is alive. Come on, let's say it. Jesus is alive. And he's not only alive, he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. <laughs> like the prodigal, the story of the prodigal son. Man, if you messed up, man, Peter messed up big time. Not too many people in the scriptures have messed up as big as Peter. And I love it when, when, when uh, Jesus rose from the dead and went to the tomb and the angel said, in another passage of Scripture, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm alive. Why? Because Jesus was praying for Peter. Jesus is praying for you. Is there something in your life that you need forgiveness for? Today's the day. Do you want to walk in resurrection power? Today's the day. Let's not, let's not, come on, folks. I, I, every being in my body believes that Jesus is coming back soon. Everything says it. The scriptures are being fulfilled before our very eyes. They're talking about a one world currency, they're talking about marks on your body, they're talking about one world government. I mean, we're living it. And I truly believe one of the things that's holding back Jesus' is coming is Jesus up or saying, one more. I want one more. I want one more to come to know me. Will you bring that one more with you? The saddest thing in the world is going to heaven by ourselves. Jesus loved you, endured the pain on the cross on Friday because he loves you and he wants to see you through to Sunday. I pray that you walk away from this Resurrection Sunday with the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. I'm going to ask Pastor Nate and the worship team to come back up here. We sang that song about the resurrection. And we're going to sing it again. And uh, with that song, this is not... Um, I want you to understand. It's not just the song we sing. 
This is the declaration we make. And it's easy to do things when we're here in this place because, you know, we all fairly believe the same thing or we came here for a reason. Some of you may have come here because of obligation. Some of you may have come here to worship. Some of you came here to learn. Different reasons. Maybe a relationship with someone else. Someone invited you to come. But Jesus is inviting you to come today. I want you to stand with me. Stand up with me. Can we put those words? We're going to sing this song again. But before we do, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Have you been walking through a dark time? First of all, you say, Pastor Jeff, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. I can't think of a better day than today. Today is the day of salvation. Literally. If it wasn't for today, there'd be no salvation. Because the scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. Well, <laughs> reality, it truly is the resurrection day of Jesus. This day is the day of salvation. If you've never accepted Jesus into your heart, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in a minute. The second part of this, you say, Pastor, I've been walking through this terrible, dark valley. I'm carrying guilt because of a decision I've made, because of a disease that I have, because of a relationship I'm in, many different reasons why we carry guilt and why we carry, and we need forgiven. And then the third part of this is I want resurrection power in my life. I want the same power that rose Jesus from the dead to live in me and make a difference. Those three calls. And I'm going to ask you to come forward. Jesus hung on a cross before everybody. The least we could do is take a stand and come and stand before our church family. Is it a sign of weakness? No, it's a sign of strength. Saying, I depend on Jesus. I want the same power. I want forgiveness. I want to ask Jesus into my heart right now. Nate, could you sing that song? And as we're singing that song, I want you to come forward. I'm standing here this morning. I'm coming down off here because I want resurrection power in my life. I don't want to do this on my own. I don't want to live this life on my own. I want resurrection power in my life today. Will you come join me right now? Pastor Nate, please. The fear that held us Right here. God wants to bring you.
lift up the feet. turn to the person next to you and say if you want to go forward I'll go with you don't say anything else just say that like I said there's nothing like having people with you do it right now if you want to go forward I'll go with you come on folks we can't go on without the power of Jesus empowering us to be the witnesses we have to have that power do you want it or not if you want it, come on, let's stand together. Let's make a difference. We need to make a difference in this community. We're not going to do it on our own. I beg you to come forward, not for me, but for the power of the resurrection in your life, that you can walk free of guilt. Some of you have been walking with guilt. Get over it. Today is the day. Today is the day. We're going to pray in a few minutes. And I'm believing for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall on this house. And I'm believing that we're going to walk out of here completely changed by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Peter was changed. I want to be changed. <laughs> I need to be changed. Don't we all? Amen. The Bible tells us we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We can't do that by ourselves. We need Jesus. He's up there interceding for you right now. And you know what? Some of you, he's praying for you. And he's saying, man, I, I'm praying that they'll go forward. Because they need to take a step of faith. So I can fully use them the way they will. Come on, we're going to sing that one. Let's sing the chorus one more time. And then we're going to pray prayer. And then we're going to leave. And we're going to be changed. Why? Because Jesus is praying for you. He's praying that God will make a difference in your life. He's praying that, 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 that you will not be sifted and die. That when hard times come, he's praying for you to take a stand, become a leader. Some of, some of you may be, God may be calling some of you to minister. You know, it's a sad thing in our district. We have over 400 churches. We have nearly 400 churches. Right now, we have about 20 churches that don't have pastors. We don't have enough pastors to fill churches. And this is not just in the assembly of God. This is across the board. There's not enough young men and women going into ministry today because we've become dull to the voice of God. So can you play that again? Just a chorus. Thank you.
everybody that came forward to put out your hands like this, like you're going to receive something. And we're going to, I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a few minutes, and the prayer is going to go something like this. First of all, it's going to ask, we're going to ask Jesus to forgive us. Then we're going to ask him to fill us. Then we're going to ask him to use us. If you want to pray that prayer with me, we're going to pray it right now. Pray after me. Dear Father in heaven, I pray like we mean it. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you that Jesus came for me. He lived for me. He died for me. And he rose for me. And today, Jesus is sitting at your side praying for me. Forgive me, Lord, for not trusting in you. Today, fill me with resurrection power. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. Let me go and live like it. Father, I thank you and praise you right now. Let's start worshiping right now. Just worship him and praise him right now. Come on, Father, we praise you. Father, we worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, God Almighty. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that that spirit lives in us. Thank you, Father, that we have forgiveness because of the empty tomb. Thank you that we have power in our lives because of the empty tomb. Thank you that we can make a difference in this world because of the empty tomb. Now look at me. I want everybody to look at me. You're entering the mission field. I'm commissioning you to enter the mission field. You know, it, it said there about Peter that, uh, that, that, that Jesus said that I'm praying for you because you're going to go and make a difference. Go and make a difference. Let it happen. And let it start today. Some of you may be going out to eat after. Bless your waitresses, not just with a tip. Pray for them. Hey, is there anything I could pray with you about? Let people know that you serve a resurrected king. It'll make a difference in your life and their life. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you once again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance to you and give you peace. May he look into your face and offer you forgiveness. May he come into your life and empower you with the Holy Spirit. May the same Spirit that raised him from the dead live in each one of us. I bless you as you go on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Do it again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. One more time. He is risen. He is risen indeed. God bless you. Thank you.